G'day, CB here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chilling the Fat. Today, I had an awesome chat with JY about the things we should have been taught in school, but weren't. It was a really thought-provoking discussion, going off on lots of tangents and enjoying a few laughs along the way. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you haven't already. You can check us out on Instagram at chillingthefat underscore podcast, as well as at CB Physiotherapy and Equinox PS. Hope you enjoy. Guys, welcome to Chewing the Fat with CB and JY. JY, how you going, mate? Chris, I'm good, mate. How's your uh, How's your week been? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Just another week in, in paradise. It is the stage four Melbourne lockdown at the moment. Very jealous to our interstate and overseas listeners at the minute with a bit more freedom than us. But we're doing there, mate. We'll get through it. I think uh, we're all doing a pretty good job. We're uh, we're close now. We're on the uh, home stretch. So quick uh, thank you before we get started to our sponsors for this week's episode. Uh, we're proudly sponsored by. CV Physiotherapy and Equinox Performance Society. The absolute behemoths of the fitness industry. So if you want to join those two um, and sponsor us, please get in touch. Uh, we'd love to have you on board. Chris, what have you been up to this week? Um, mate, like, I feel like I have these conversations with clients every day. Like, we're seriously doing nothing that's interesting. Like, mm. I'm going to work, I'm going home. And, yeah. um, that's about all, mate. Have you watched anything good on TV lately? Have you anything on Netflix or... Mate, I've been watching um, an old series of Underbelly on stand. Oh, nice. Um, which is actually epic. I yep. forgot how good they were. Yep. Um, which one? Uh, uh, what's it called? The one on... I've forgotten the name. It's the one on Sydney, King's Cross in like the 90s. Yeah. All the police yep. corruption and yep. the Royal Commission. Yeah. Mate, I knew nothing about that story, but it was, it was grouse. I remember when the original Underbelly came out and you couldn't actually watch it until post-trials. And I remember one of my mates had a copy of it. And we'd, uh, yeah, we thought we were, well, we would have been like 13 at the time. And we thought we were like these little rebels watching the original <laughs> Underbelly whilst trials were going on and no one else was allowed to. And yeah, it was sick. Oh, oh, yeah, it's a great show. And to be honest, I probably haven't kept up with the other ones. But mm. nice, mate. I like yeah. it. Unreal, mate. It's about as exciting as it gets at the minute, mate. But... Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I am very excited for today's episode. Now, we're discussing today, JY, things that we should have been taught in school. And this topic for today's set was probably inspired a little bit by a couple of previous episodes where as you know we're we, our listeners are probably coming to know we're pretty passionate people when it comes to um our professions and the things that we rant and rave about and and we ranted and raved last absolutely week. mate and there's a lot of those things that we thought you know what our lives would be a lot easier um and society would be a lot better if you know some of these topics that we'll get into were just uh, actually taught in high school yeah it's like that meme where it's like society if, uh, if Smash Mouth released another album and it's just got like this picture of like this utopia, that's what that's what we're going off here. It's uh, society would just be this utopia if these are the things we're taught. But I'd, yeah, a, a second Smash Mouth album would have been sick too. Do you reckon if uh, we are Smash Mouth nicely, they'll let us use all the stuff around and show imagine? Oh, could you imagine? Like, could you imagine the reach we would get? I reckon they'll let us. Uh, considering you play it non-stop in, uh, in your gym, I'm sure they would. It's a favourite of the it's CV. On just, it's on almost every playlist. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, things we should have been taught in school. And I think another reason, mate, um, why this is such an important topic for us is that we are, we're not teachers, but, um, it sounds a bit wanky to say this, but we're both educators. You know, that's mm. probably the most important part of my job when people come to see me. People think, oh, they go to a physio and they want some hands-on treatment or some rehab or some exercise. The most important thing I can give somebody is education about their condition and the ways that they can 
management and what's going on. And it's the same in your field, maybe in the fitness world, where people are seeing a personal trainer or a coach. If, if the biggest thing they're getting is a sweat up for half an hour, then it's, they're probably missing the beat. The mm. education about how they can actually go about achieving their goals and what they can do away from their sessions is, is the most important. And could you imagine the quality of people in our fields and in our industry if they had this same sort of education when they were... Uh, um, when they were in high school, um, not even high school, like some of the concepts we're going to talk about today, like they could teach this to our primary school students and it's sad that they don't. Yeah. I want to start, mate. I got the biggest, most important thing that I think we should have been taught in school, um, well, more so you should have been taught in school, Halbury College, JY, is that, is that correct? Uh, yes, for those they, who don't know, I uh, went to <coughs> the most prestigious private school in Melbourne. So and that most shout out to Halebury. At that very prestigious private school in Melbourne, they clearly didn't teach you anything about timekeeping um, because, once again, you were 50, <laughs> 50 minutes late to today's recording, um, which was a new PB even for you because you're normally on average 10 to 15 to 20 minutes late. Um, excuse every single week, but 50 minutes today, mate, that is, uh, that is unreal. Do they not have bowels and timetables Look, at Albury? Actually, funny story. Uh, just quickly, I just want to preface that by saying like to you know my potential... Uh, future employers, clients, anybody. I'm always on time. I'm punctual. Just, you know, here and there. Uh, I slip up a little bit when it comes to podcasting. But um, in regards to school, well, actually, we had this big fuck-off bell. It was like a full-on, like... It was like the same thing like the Hunchback in Notre Dame where one person every term was the bell operator or the bell boy or whatever. And then we had girls and then there were the bell girls and whatever. And you had to go in to the bell, like, little thingy cage, put on these earmuffs and then ring the bell to end the period. And that was your job. So you had that job every day for a term and then the next one would swap over. So you clearly would never give him this job. I actually did have the job. And I got sacked from the job. <laughs> of course Because <laughs> I was never on point with the, uh, with the bell ringing. So periods were going, like, longer and shorter. And then being the, uh, the little bit of a uh, rebellious teenager that I was, when I had the bell operating duty in year eight, I used to leave class five minutes early to go to the toilet without telling the teacher that I was actually this term's bell operator and then I'd ring the bell. So we'd get like extra five minutes of lunch and shit. So it was, um, yeah, it was a, it, the power went to my head far too much. And um, yeah, it, it really does, it does speak a lot about the man I am today. Oh, well, this all just Anyway, let's get, <laughs> let's, let's get stuck into it anyway. So Chris, we're, we're going to kind of quick fire these today. We're not going to go into in depth because a lot of our previous episodes have been um, touching on these topics. Yeah. Um, and if you are interested in going in depth, um, please listen back or feel free to slide into our DMs. We'll be more than happy to sort of go into depth on some of the more, um, you know, the training and uh, I guess, um, you know, our sort of feel, the, the, the topics regarding us. Um, but yeah, if you, want to, if you have any questions, feel free to slide in. Um, Let's get stuck into it. Chris, what, uh, what is the first thing you think we should have been taught in school? Look, for me, we spoke about this in episode three, I think it was training with injuries, where I spoke a lot about pain science. And we simply as a society do not know what pain is and how pain works. And we should be taught this in about year eight or year nine, I think, because in my humble opinion, the biggest reason that people fall into chronic pain is because they don't understand how and why they're getting pain or they've got a misconception of how and why they're getting pain. If we're taught about this, the multifaceted nature of pain, the different things that contribute to it um, from a young age, I genuinely, genuinely believe the chronic pain burden on the healthcare system will be significantly reduced if people 
understood it. And I think that's um, probably leading on to my, my next point. We're talking about resistance training. Well, I want to mention resistance training. We all uh, do PE classes. In PE classes, physical education, I'm not talking the one, two, and three, four units. I'm talking in like, you know, middle school. So, how do you had middle school? I don't know if any of, uh, any, of, you know, any of you guys had middle school, but we went junior, middle Senior school. Is, is, that like a, is that like a weird flex? Is that a brag? It's because we're better than everyone. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm Hayley Bruce Finest. If, uh, if any of my teachers are listening to the podcast, I know they're all huge fans of the show. You know, they'll be sitting there laughing. Um, but uh, look, at, look at where I am now, Mr. Pickersgill. Um, but I think like with uh, PE, they should be teaching, like you said, they should be actually teaching... Um, the basic biology, biomechanics, um, you know, anything with like, you know, simple neurology, like... That is, the word physical education to me is education of our physical selves. I think it's Makes not... A, that, mate. Physical education is education of the physical. And I know you'll laugh at me for that. that. I know how you'll laugh at me for that. I was trying to work out a better way to work it. <laughs> but explain to me why we do like lacrosse in PE, like in high school, and why we do like... someone has to represent Australia in the Australian lacrosse. And actually, one of my, my housemate does. So just quick shout out to uh, Nicholas Kylo, one of... Uh, one of Australia's greatest lacrosse players and really? one of Australia's biggest heads. So yes, yeah. there he is. Um, no, I completely agree. And why are we not taught about like basic physiology? Like, do you know it doesn't I, make sense to me. Do you know what I believe about resistance training? Going up, and this is not my fault because I was never taught otherwise. Is that resistance training as a kid or in your teenage years? Don't you, bro? Yes. So yeah. You shouldn't do yep. it. You shouldn't lift weights because yep. you know everyone sort of gets to sixteen. Yeah, now I'm sixteen. I'm fully grown and I can start to lift weights. Yep. And I was sixteen and. Tiny and puny. Well, yep. geez, I better wait two years, otherwise I'll stay like this yep, forever. Exactly right, um, mate. I actually I went to St Bernard's in Essendon. Yep. Um, not quite as prestigious as Halbury, but but a lot of lot of great uh, alumni <laughs> from St Bernard's. Um, what was that word? Like, you know, the youth and even just like, 
you know, teenagers, young adults on what calories are. Mm. You know what I mean? And this is this is the unfortunate thing, like you said. Um, yeah, you're spot on it. And like we've also spoken about, I think I'm going to say this a lot on previous episodes around energy balance and being in a calorie deficit is the most important thing for, for weight loss and, and that whole sort of formula and equation. We get into adult life and, you know, often kids aren't overweight when we're in high school, so mm-hmm. we don't need to worry about that stuff. All of a sudden, you hit your 25, you're 25, 30, 35, 40, mm-hmm. start to put on a bit of weight. We need to lose weight, and we go to, you know, whatever method it might be to help us yep. achieve a calorie deficit. Yep. It might be intermittent fasting. It might be body man shapes. Yep. It might be, you know, paleo diet, whatever. And we people bounce around these different diets, yep. which is fine. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But if yep. they knew the underlying reason why they did or they didn't work when they were 14... Yep. Mate, how much is your life? Mate, I um I just want to uh, give a little example of myself. When I was young, um I was always quite a small kid. Um I still am a very small kid. Um <laughs> just a little bit less small. Um but I um I was always the skinny kid. I was generally like the one of the weaker guys in the class. Um, I'm obviously quite short, so Look, I'm just uh, being very like self-deprecating right now. <laughs> but when I um when I was young, I played a lot of sports. So I played sport on Wednesday. I played two sports a week and played footy. I played baseball. Um, played indoor soccer every week. So when I was young, I was obviously burning a lot of calories because I was playing a lot of sport. Lunchtime, we kicked the footy. We'd you know kick footy after school. It was constant. I'd be walking everywhere. Um, when you're young, there's this sort of like conception that kids have faster metabolisms and just burn more calories. And at the end of the day, I like it's it's wrong in the sense that kids generally are active and that is why they burn more calories. It's got nothing to do with the fact that they're kids and their metabolisms. And it's, yeah, they're growing. So yeah, they're burning calories to grow because there's a lot of physi- you know, physiological processes happening. But at the end of the day, it's not the fact that they're... You look at fat kids. You've got to be careful when you <laughs> say that. But you look at kids yeah. who are overweight. Generally, they're not the ones playing sport. Generally, they're the ones who are eating far too much more than they're moving. You know what I mean? That's not because they just have a slow metabolism. And these are like conceptions or misconceptions that even parents just assume, oh, you know, my kid's growing, so, you know, he, he's just going to burn calories forever and always be this skinny thing. I, in year 12, had a fractured skull from a, uh, an unfortunate accident where a mate threw a chair at me in a spare period. And I missed the entire year 12 year of footy. And I put on a just a truckload of weight in that year. And you'll see that because Chris is dug it up a really, really great photo of me, which is actually the thumbnail for this week's episode. So shout out to Chris. I just want to mention everyone, look at all the colours on my blazer. Um, but the photo of me, you can see, that's me in year 12. I'm a, bit, uh, I'm a bit heftier than I was when I was younger. And that's not because suddenly my metabolism stopped on 18. It was literally because I was moving less, not playing footy and not playing sport. And that is something that I believe that we should be teaching kids, and not even just kids, but parents should understand. Mm, you know, and it's just it, it all comes back down to energy balance. Hundred percent, mate. And I think on that as well, one skill that I know he's taught in high schools, people do lots of other high schools. I hear about do food tech. I don't know if you ever did food tech. Uh, I actually studied hospitality. So well, yeah. there you go. But like, <laughs> okay, I just studied hospitality. But cooking, <laughs> mate, cooking should yeah. be like, it's a simple skill that every single adult needs. That I still, to be honest, struggle with. Mate, the one thing that I learned to cook in high school was, I reckon, in year eight Japanese. Some oh, Japanese man came and taught us how to make sushi, and I cooked sushi yesterday. I made sushi yesterday. Like that's the one. That's it. The one thing I, I learned to cook. Sushi. The one that's thing good. I learned to cook, I still do, and I'm like, that's awesome. But if I learned twenty very simple things, yeah. I'm better would I be? Mate, it's up. absolutely insane. I like. Uh, I'm shocked by the amount of people out there who actually don't know how to cook simple stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying like we need to learn how to cook sushi like, or make sushi. 
It's the fact that like people don't even know how to cook a piece of chicken. Mm. People don't even understand how to throw together a stir fry. And it's how how are people supposed to manage weight when they honestly can't look after themselves in the kitchen? Mm. Like no wonder Uber Eats and no wonder takeaway is such a massive option. Well, so is the first option yeah. because people are either too overwhelmed by the process of cooking or have no fucking idea how to do it. Mate, I was taught how to play underwater hockey in a, some sort of health and fitness class in about year ten or year eleven, mate. As good as the sport that is, I would much rather be yep. in the classroom learning how to get yep. the perfect medium rest day. Hundred percent, and I, I I think that's an indictment on the on the school system that we have this obesity epidemic and we're not teaching like basic you know skills for the kids to learn, not even kids, but young adults to learn. And I think it really does show in society currently. Moving away from the, the health and fitness stuff, um, finance is a massive one. Yep. For me, now we're talking how tax works, yep. how mortgages yep. work, what stamp duty is, basic accounting, yep. shares, the stock market, yep. this sort of stuff. Now I know there's, I don't know, there might be electives when you get to later in, in high school accounting and economics and stuff, but surely this sort of stuff isn't a core curriculum from year seven. And it's like, it's incredible that we learn, <laughs> we learn all these maths sort of um in maths, we learn all these equations and how to do this and algebra and rah, 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 and all that. Mm. Financing, money, tax, shares, all this stuff is just basic maths. Like, there's no coincidence that the people who do, you know, really well at maths go into these careers. Mm. Why are we not taught these basic skills in school in these maths classes? Why We don't need to have a tax class. It's just the fact that I feel in primary school there is almost a sort of a foreshadowing to it. Like a lot of the classroom activities they have, you know, I don't know if you guys did like little cities or little towns and stuff where everyone. So we had like, you know, we had one person was like the tax man, one person was an accountant, and like you all had a job in the classroom each, you know, term. And um, like that was almost like a little sort of like taste of what, you know, basic literacy and basic accounting was and all that. But there's no like actual like education towards how to actually do your taxes. Mate, the only thing I remember ever about money being mentioned in school was, what was the, um, the, the Dolomites, that was the name, but the Commonwealth Bank Dolomites, did you have that? So Commonwealth Bank would come into primary school, which was like- Oh, I'm giving credit cards, basically. basically. Dolomites account, yeah. this like little cartoon yeah. doing on a skateboard called Cred. Which is the, the, the biggest, card. that's the original Ponzi scam. Like, and honestly. Literally, like, it sounded so cool when parents were like, oh my God, they're teaching their kids about money, and this yeah. is fantastic. That's money, big it's money bank. for them. Going in and basically yeah. brainstorming kids to buy credit cards. Shout out to Scotty Pape for that one. Because Scotty Pape goes into that in-depth in, uh, in the Barefoot Invest. And you, you're spot on there. Like, it's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> like, unreal. And, mate, as good as Scotty Pape and the Barefoot Investor is, like, I shouldn't have had to learn all my finance knowledge from his book when I was 24. Yeah, we, <laughs> I remember we basically you and I did it together. I remember this would have been uh, at Port Melbourne. Um, we spoke about it in a physio session. It's nice. incredible that, like, like Scott Pape, nothing... And nothing in his book is revolutionary. Nah. It is the most basic shit. It's, yeah. you know, put some money in, in, into a savings account, look at some blue chip stocks and, you know... Should and, yeah, and put your money into buckets. And it's yeah. like, the fact that there is... The fact that that man has made this much money mm. off a gap in the market that shouldn't even be there. Like, that gap 100%. should not even be there. And I, 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 I've said... I reckon I've used the word indictment 50 times already in this <laughs> session, but it really is. Like, yeah. it is a disgrace that that is, you know not something that we understand and as basic that was the book that set me up to save for a mortgage yep. buy a house be financially stable yep. now like in my late 20s and that's fantastic yep. but mate 
I shouldn't have to read that book. And a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of my mates and a lot of people, um, you know, obviously coming from Halebury, some of my, uh, my closest mates and people that I've grown up with have parents who are quite high up in finance, um, who have, you know, it is, it is Halebury College after all. And um, they... Well, um, how many thousand dollars did you pay a year to go to Oh, mate, I couldn't even tell you. I, uh, shout out to my parents. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they looked after me there. You don't need um, to talk about money when you're when you fucking multi billionaires, I suppose. No, well, I guess not. But, um, you know, we're like, we're my family, we didn't grow up with, um, you know, the, the finances that some others did. So I wasn't necessarily taught at such a young age by my dad some of the basic stuff, not because my dad didn't know it, but just because, like, I honestly, having spoken to my dad since, he believed that schools just taught that. Like, it just yeah. made sense that schools would teach you about that yeah. shit. A lot of other people grew up with, you know, parents who were basically from a young age getting them to work so they could save money and invest. And, you know, by 16, they've got an investment account. I didn't have any of that. Mm. So Scotty Pape was huge for me because Scotty yeah. Pape did set that up for me. Mm. Um, well, not personally. I wish it was personally the great man. Well, I'm getting show. But um, for me, it was... Like, this book changed me. I was couldn't save money for shit. And then suddenly I was saying, man, it felt so great and all this. Now, at 27 years old, three years after reading it, I laugh at it almost. I love it. I think people, everyone should read it. But I laugh at it because I'm like, fuck me, this is so simple. Like, this is honestly that simple. I can't believe that I didn't get this originally. 100%, mate. 100%. Now, finances aside, the other big, I suppose, adult skill that we need is... Applying for jobs, mm, writing that's resumes, a good one. that's a really paid, good one. right? Like that sort of stuff. I not once yep. was it ever mentioned. And yep. Like I had a part-time job in in high school, yep. and um, but it wasn't like I had to write a resume and go through a job interview yep. process to get a gig at Oak Park McDonald's. Yep. Um, they were sort of handed them out on a platter. But mate, like that's that's a real world, and that's adults. And even at university, mm. mate, like we, you know, university, like we'll try. Like, I studied physio there um, back in twenty thirteen. I finished up, and it was all obviously all the the sciencey stuff that you need to know for your degree, but it was like close to zero about going away into the real world, presenting yourself in a professional capacity, writing a resume. I love that. I love the fact that you say professional capacity because like I know when I was young, I, I had a job at Brumbies and I was, I don't even know if Brumbies still exists or not. Yeah, they still exist. So one of them got closed. How, okay. Can anybody shout out to the show or get in touch with us? What is the difference between Brumbies and Baker's Delight? Like saying, what's the difference between Coles and Woolworths? No, nah, it is a huge difference. Same logo, same colours, same everything. The uniform's the same. Like, who was the OG of the uh, baking industry? Just because I, I, it shocks me that there's two like competitors who are literally ripping each other off. Like everything in there, I couldn't tell you what if I have a Brumbies or a Bakes Delight. What shocks me more? I'm going off track a bit here. Have you seen the Big Jack from Hungry Jacks? Yeah, but everyone knows. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're getting sued. They're getting sued. Have you I seen? Have, have you seen Hungry Jacks' new app? They're trying to sue us. Some other burger company's trying to sue us. And I'm like, yeah, you should, like, you know, probably get sued. Like, yeah. good on your gloating about the fact that you've ripped off another burger company. But I saw those ads and I was like, you, are you joking? All right, last tangent as well. I watched <laughs> The Founder this week. Yes. So, oh, great movie. Mate, yeah. you know what? That is, a, that is a movie that they should show in school. <laughs> because Ray Kroc... Yeah, mate, honestly... The Founder is the movie about the McDonald's empire. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so Ray Kroc obviously um, didn't actually start McDonald's. McDonald's was an original franchise. Well, they tried to franchise out and were just a small burger stand. Um, where was it? It was in... Um, America somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in America. <laughs> um, and he... Um, 
he basically uh, turned it into this whole operation, the franchise and created the McDonald's Corporation and then ended up buying the brothers out who started it. But it's a really good insight into both entrepreneur... I hate this word, entrepreneurial stuff. Um, so I'm not going to say it as a I always do. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> I, I sound like I, I'm at the... Uh, um, but the movie, the preface of the movie is... The premise of the movie is really... You know, it, it's... It, it, Going far off track here, but anyway, great movie, great movie. Um, I love it. How, I how, it. how the world works. Exactly right. And it's like I think it's a handy works. one for people to see, unlike you know, in regards to just like basic, mm. you know, business stuff. And where were we going with it? I had my first job at Brumbies. <laughs> wow, not, not never, that is the most off track we've got. No, not, not back so We could have just thrown the Belgrave lizard in there, or like lizard people, and we would have been just as on track. Um, Say so I was at Brumbies. Um, and I was a little shit. Like, I had to clean the place and I didn't cook the bread. Like, I was cleaning and shit like this. And there was um, one of the dudes who I worked with. I can't even remember his name because oh, this was 15 years ago. And he was a ripper bloke, really nice. But, like, he was, you know, as ochre as it gets and very uneducated. And here where I was, Mr. Private School boy. Um, he gave me shit about it all the time. But I had no idea how to present myself professionally. Mm. Like, I was thrown out the back to clean and I was, like, almost... Still, they were kind of trying to hide me away because I had no idea how to, you know, behave and to be this. Mm. And it's like, it's all well and good to go, well, you know, here's how to get a job and here's how to do this. But the basic, like, skills required in the job, I'm not talking of the actual practical skills specific to the job. I'm talking just how to actually hold a job, how to hold yourself, how to talk to people. Adult social skills. Mate, I, the amount of kids these days, and obviously at the moment I run Equinox out of a commercial gym... Um, the amount of kids these days that I deal with that are just like they're just shocking like they've got no social skills mm. and it, it, it's it, it's really scary to think that these are the people who are going to be running the world really soon and um, I think that that's something that schools don't need to do a class on it it's just the fact that schools generally don't push kids to be you know, to have that professionalism about them. Like, I know uniforms and I guess, like, the uh, the general structure of the, you know, the rules and guidelines in schools that are in place to kind of, you know, teach some authority. But it's not the authority. It's just the general, like, how to be a decent human being, which I think, I'm not saying that, you know, they're not decent human beings. I'm just saying there is a, there is a real lack of, you know, social skills, empathy, um, you know, all these sort of things that these kids do have these days. And all I know, for example, I, as a young Lad, I did struggle a little bit when I was in a professional setting because I've never really been taught that. And I was, you know, I was a little brat. So um, I think, and I don't think that always should rely on the parents. I think there should be something in the schools to push that because they've got the most, almost the most authority over these kids. Um, Six years at a, an all-boys school. Talking to females was something that I never got taught. And see, I was horrendous at after six years. So see, we've got through. Did, didn't, didn't need a class on that. You know? <laughs> I was just lunchtime sitting by the... Uh, we, had, we had the girls' school and I'd float around a little... We had this little, like, little line. We, we, just, weren't just cross, we weren't way. allowed to cross this line. And I'd always sit there and I'd, you know, I'd ask them if they wanted anything from the tuck shop or whatever. <laughs> no, mate. I was like... I was, yeah, I was the uh, most uh, unattractive thing in high school. I was... I'd, I'd, like I'd throw rocks at girls and things like that and steal their hats Good tactic, yeah. mate you know what it uh, never worked <laughs> so and you know 13 year old man mate I remember the first time I called a girl up I, uh, I gave her a buzz 
her dad answered. He was like, who the fuck is this? this you know, and I had a very high voice as well. So, you think you need to uh, rocket my daughter? Yeah, you steal it out. <laughs> and I was like, you know, oh, is she there? And gave me the phone. And, you know, I was like, hey, do you want to go out with me? And she was like, I actually don't even know who you are. And I hung up. So anyway, um, let's go back to our pay and things like this. The last thing I'll say before I'll throw to you again is... Yeah. I never understood what like the difference when I got into um, PT was between things like subcontracting, part-time, yeah. um, full-time jobs, wages, yeah. um, paying, we've spoken about tax, but paying superannuation, yeah. all this sort of thing. It's been a real tough for me because I never understood the perks that you get with subcontracting, but also the negatives of subcontracting, Absolutely. which meant when I opened Equinox or started Equinox um, and ran, ran my own business... I was so overwhelmed and thrown in the deep end in regards to wages, pay slips, all this sort of stuff. But you know what? Even as recent as this year has made it really hard for me getting houses, um, even things like JobKeeper um, has made that a real pain in the ass. Um, and I didn't have an accountant because I never believed I needed an accountant. Yeah. To the point now where I encourage every single subcontractor out there, if not anybody, to get themselves a good accountant because they're the only people who are going to teach you about this shit. And my accountant taught me because schools didn't. And we talk about how much better the health and fitness industry would be if people knew about calorie deficits and energy balance and pain science. How much easier would the world of accounting like? I'm sure accountants and finance people would love for us to know more about this sort of stuff. 100%. Like make their life a hell of a lot easier. 100%. Let's um, move on. The last point, mate, that I think we should have been talking a bit more about in schools um, is mental health. Yep. We've obviously done an episode on this, so please go back and listen to that. But just yep. awareness around you know what mental health actually is, the prevalence and, of depression and anxiety and, and how these things impact on people and, and positive mental, mental health strategies from a young age I yeah. think is so important. Um, now, you know, I know Hugh Van Kyle, who's doing these projects, is, is doing massive things in, in terms of education, yeah. going around and talking yeah. to schools. And, you know, I, sh- I, I think that this sort of stuff is getting spoken about at a high school level. It, it is more definitely more. When we were going through high school Absolutely. 10, 12 years ago. Um, but I still think it's highly important and, and Probably the biggest thing from my point of view is the, the um, addiction to devices and social media and screens that you know kids have yeah. now that we had as teenagers, but it's it's, it's four or five times greater that the teenagers that are coming through now. We, I mean, the impact of that stuff on people's mental health. We only had smartphones, and I think I got my first iPhone in two thousand nine, which was I was in year ten. Yeah. So I'm in year ten, first smartphone. Kids have got it from from bloody primary school now, and they it's get off it. no, and, it's ridiculous. And they're literally addicted, and there's. As you know, I think we spoke about it a bit. There's a lot of research that links that addiction and compulsion to social media um, with poor mental yeah. health, with yeah. depression, and anxiety. And like I like I've even spoken to some of my clients, a couple of young guys I train who are just you know in their final year of high school and just out of high school, and they talk about Instagram and how they you know they oh, we've got so many followers on Instagram and this, and I went oh cool like how many of them are you close with? And they go I don't know. Guy's got 3,000 followers. He knows only 100 of them. Like, actually only knows 100 person. How many of those people can they rely on if something goes wrong in a crisis? I, I think that's terrifying that you don't yeah. know the people that you associate yourself with. You actually don't know them. I, like, I just... It, it shocks me. Like, you know, how is that good for your mental health when... Just that whole culture of I need to post a photo to get better. Yeah. To feel good about myself. Yeah. And oh. I post a photo to feel good about myself until... You know, as a as a lad with three thousand followers, when you're yep. sixteen, I post a photo of me and my footy mates, and I get five hundred likes. Mm-hmm. Or as a girl who posts a selfie in the mirror and gets fifteen of her yep. friends from school who she wanted me that close, mm-hmm. saying, "Oh my god, how pretty are you?" And I, I the fact it's that it's not just the validation, but I feel like we've done this full circle where the validation for these photos, we've really got to be careful what we say here, but the validation for these photos has now been taken back by a lot of these people, where it's like self love, and they want to post the photos to show off that they 
you know, that they do love themselves and they're not looking for validation, but then why are they using these social medias to do this? I don't, it doesn't make sense to me why Instagram, like Instagram has everyone by the scruff of the neck. Like the dopamine hit from getting likes yeah. is ridiculous. Like it's, and I, I wouldn't be like, I'm sitting here and I put up photos, but I try to have a laugh with my photos. But if someone messages me laughing, like I love that. Like I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah, how great is this? Yeah. I'm buying into what Instagram is trying to do. And I think like, you know, we didn't necessarily have this when we were young and it's, I find it hard in my late, mid to late twenties. I can't imagine what young, especially young girls, mm. how they would be coping with it because I think it's, mm. I just think it's ridiculous. And the last thing I guess on things like depression and anxiety, when we were young, we weren't taught this stuff I feel because it was just better not to talk about it. Mm. So let alone the fact that we weren't talking about it, we just weren't taught it. And I, I, when I was quite young, I had a, um, I had a really rough year um, in my high schooling. Um, rough, obviously, for a 15, 16-year-old bloke. So, like, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. But I struggled a little bit with um, a bit of anxiety and a bit of depression. Um, and at the time, it wasn't that I didn't feel like I could talk to friends or that I could talk to anyone. It was just that it just it's not what you did. Mm. And I remember for an entire year feeling really alone because my closest mates, it was we talk footy and we'd, you know, we'd talk about girls and we'd talk about, you know, we'd have a laugh and throw chairs at each other and crack the skull, <laughs> but we could never really talk about how we were feeling. Yeah. And I can only hope now really, you know, touch wood, only hope that schools now do teach that it's okay to talk and, and strategies that you can use. And I've got a few teacher mates now who actually I've had these conversations with and say that there's the number of psychologists that are employed by schools is through the roof and I don't yep. reckon that that was ever the case when I was in high We had one. Fantastic. We had one and he was booked out and if yeah. you couldn't get in with him, well, you know, yeah. that was how it was. Yeah. Nice, mate. Now, Q&A time. Um, we've got some good questions. Great questions today. Really good questions, yeah. First one's for you, Jay Weiss. This is from a good mate of mine, Jared Malloy. Jared wants to know, I'm walking out... I'm working out and walking slash running heaps, but finding myself really hungry at around 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. What foods are appropriate to ward off the cravings that aren't going to affect you too much, either weight loss or calorie deficit? He's been listening. He's the job. <laughs> Jazza. Um, I love it. Um, great question. Really, really good question. Um, look, I generally say it comes down to meal timing in that situation. So... Depending on what the general structure is of your day, whether it's you're someone who eats three main meals and a couple of snacks or two big meals and a couple of snacks, it generally will be around how you're sort of structuring your meal timing. So when I, for example, I can only use myself as an example here, but I used, um, when I was playing footy and with footy training, I generally have um, my dinner, um, a smaller high carb meal um, things that, you know, were going to fuel me for training close, closer into the evening there so that it was closer to training. So when I finished training, I might've been a bit hungry, but I still had food in my system from like a, you know, we generally trained at about six. So it was generally from a five foot dinner, leaving enough calories to have a snack after. So something small, um, whether that was, you know, again, carbs and things like that to refuel after the training that worked really well for me when I was only focusing on footy training. When I was also trying to throw in resistance training, it became a lot harder because generally I was training in the mornings. So the real question for that, I guess, is how much... Let me reread, because obviously these questions are without notice. Um, but 
how much do you need to eat is a, is a good question because a lot of the time people will actually find that they're not as hungry as they think that they'll actually you know that they'll almost have that like drive to eat because they say oh i'm in deficit i need to eat i'm starving all the time maybe they don't actually need to eat maybe that's just you know boredom maybe they didn't go to bed maybe that's not okay, enough water is it okay to go to bed uh, absolutely like and then then that, that's that's the other thing and that's what i was going to say is that if you go to bed um if you go to bed absolutely bloody famished, starving every night, it's probably, again, like same with your meal timing or, you know, how much food you're eating. So the higher fiber foods that we spoke about, again, I don't want to go too in depth, but higher volume per calorie foods, you might need to incorporate more of those, more veggies, more of this, more of that. Um, but generally at night, you know, you don't need as much food. You don't need to fuel yourself to sleep. And I suppose so, Jared's worried about the calorie deficit, so if we're, you might be almost at, he's yeah. target calories at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night wants a snack because he's really really hungry yeah. well I think what we spoke about on the nutrition episode was foods that are um, high in energy like yeah. such as fruit and vegetables not that they're good or bad because you can eat a lot and be full very quickly yeah. for a small amount of calories compared to if you're going for chocolate and ice cream which is easy and it's not yeah. labelling those as bad foods it's just that 100 grams of those you know are going to be calories going to be through the roof compared to 100 grams of something fresh yeah. the calories going to be a lot lower it's not going to affect your weight loss or calorie deficit as much but still um, the last two things I'll quickly say because I know we're running out of time but fasting might be a really good one to leave a lot of food to later in the day so again like I said fasting generally you can get through the morning without eating hunger cravings kind of can subside in the mornings especially as we're generally a lot busier yeah. um, first thing um, but also something like if um, you do get to the evening and you are hungry around that 9 to 10 p.m. thing something like a diet right cordial or coke zero or things like that those sort of um, you know those sugar free like um, you know, beverages or things like that. No, they're not filling, but they can subside a craving. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself, are you really hungry? The first thing, that's the first thing. Like at 9.30, 10 o'clock, are you really hungry? Second of all, when did you last eat? If you last ate at 6 and then, you know, you find that that doesn't work, well, then eat at 6.30, eat at 7. Yeah. Like see if that works. Yeah. Um, and then ask yourself, you know, how big are the meals? What foods am I eating? Am I eating enough veggies? Am I eating enough fiber? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing is just maybe just go to sleep. Like... Depending what time it is, maybe just go to sleep. Perfect. Um, let's move on. Uh, Chris, this one is from, is it Tamarin Carter? Tamarin? Tamarin yes. Carter, sorry, Tamarin, I've absolutely bungled that. Um, Tamarin is asking, how many camels are there in Australia, CB? How many camels are there in Australia? How many camels? So we know how many emus there are. How many are there again? I don't know how many emus are in Australia. I know there's 13,000 in America. Oh, yeah, it was America. <laughs> Shit, sorry. Bar um, that too. I do know the answer to this. Um, and there are actually 1.2 million camels in Australia. Crazy. I haven't seen one. Crazy. <laughs> if you haven't seen one, you know it doesn't exist now. <laughs> They're all obviously like right in the red. Have you ever seen coronavirus? Uh, oh, no. Ooh. Well. Ooh. But um, then have you ever seen an alien? Yes. By the same token then, yes. aliens would exist. Oh, wait, hang on, you have. I saw a few photos of this alien looking dude in a Hailbreed blazer. Ah! <laughs> Got him. Got him. Got him. Right. Next one, mate, is for you. This question is from Annette Mangle. Um, Annette is the mother of my lovely girlfriend, Ali. Um, she's a big fan of the show, so thanks for listening to Annette. And this one's for you, I think, JY. Annette wants to know what one exercise done daily will make me lose belly fat? Oh, um, Annette, um, Thank you very much for your question, first of all. Um, second of all, look, there's not going to be one exercise that you can do daily to lose belly fat. I'm sorry to break it to you. Chris, do you want to tell us what it all comes down to? Calorie deficit. Yes. So that's all I'm going to say on the topic. 
eat less calories than you burn, you lose belly fat over time. And uh, so, which actually can't there is no There's exercise. no such thing as spot reduction. Which can't spot no actually. You know what? Quick little preface. Well, that's a great preface. To spot reduction doesn't exist. You can't actually do it. You can actually improve the composition of a target area. So, for example, if you don't do bicep curls, well, your biceps aren't going to be as you know as toned. I hate that <laughs> word. Um, you know what? I always come back to that word. God damn it! But going to be as, vis- as visibly you know, visibly appealing. Oh, I like that. And you'd know being aesthetically the most, pleasing. You'd know being the most aesthetically pleasing man. I know. Um, but. You know, obviously when it comes to the belly, like if you're doing ab work, but there's too much belly fat, you're not going to see your abs. Same token though, if you're somebody who doesn't do any ab work, well, if you were at a much leaner body composition um, or body fat percentage, your abs won't be as physically appealing. So <laughs> they wouldn't be as... And how about those like, you know, the ab king pros and all those like devices on the Dunham's direct that say, oh, we're going to burn and lose, yes. you know, belly fat from this one spot. And that'd be sick, mate, because they're literally lying to you. Because yeah. it's impossible. Well, you know what the funny thing is? This is like a complete, like, this is just me like thinking like devil's advocate. Technically you do, because let's put it this way, you're going to burn calories using the ab king pro, yeah? Mm. So if, if all things equal, if you burn calories in the ab king pro and don't eat, well, technically, then you are going to lose belly fat, hey? Because your calories and calories out. No, but, I'm not justifying. No, I'm not justifying at all. But I'm saying, I believe that's how I get around that shit. Like, I also believe there's no one really, like, actually looking into these things because the government, you know, doesn't actually know themselves. Um, but <laughs> I reckon, yeah, I reckon the regulations, they can get around it by saying that because technically, it's like doing Kayla Itzine's fucking workouts. And, you know, shout out to Kayla because she's a bin. But, <laughs> and I'm going to say that on the show because I don't give a shit. But she... Yeah can get you doing high knees and doing all these stupid little booty stuff. And of course you're going to lose weight, but you're not educating clients on how to do it. So that's why I think like these Atkin pros and stuff like, you know, they can get around that shit because you will lose belly fat. But anyway, anyway, let's, let's move on. I just um, want to say one more thing about the tangent. You know what grinds my gears most about those ads? Is that they get the fittest blogs with these absolute chiseled abs and six packs. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Mate, do you reckon they got him using that device? Oh, yeah, 100%. No. We had, we had a guy in school, like, oh. but going back to school, we had a dude in school, and he was, like, shredded. And we used to always just be like, yeah, fuck, he must have an Atkin Pro. It's, like, dead sad. The best is when they've got, like, you know, in six weeks, you can look like this dude. And it's, like, it goes from, like, this really, like, overweight man, and then in the next one, it's, like, this massive, like, Terry Crews-looking dude. Like, <laughs> it's, like, ridiculous. Anyway, um... Yeah. Tangents all over the place today. Um, this question's from Jai Sutherland. Jai has said, um, and I assume this is in relation to things they should have taught in school, personal hygiene. Chris, what are your thoughts on teaching personal hygiene in First school? First of all, quick shout out to Jai. Jai's a big fan of the show. Um, he's one of the most elite um, up-and-coming cricketers in the Northwest region. Oh, um, so get around Jai Sutherland. Oh, um, personal hygiene, I don't know. But I'm not sure what high school Jai goes to at the moment, but there must be a stinky one. <laughs> um, yes, we should be taught hygiene. Oh, you, know, you know what on hygiene? You know what I was never taught? Mate, I went to dentists and orthodontists. I felt like every single week for years, I never got told by anyone that I had to floss my teeth or how to do it. Well, that, okay. Well, my parents would have spent, my parents spent more money on orthodontists than yours spent on School fees for about a week. But <laughs> no one ever told me that. You have to go to some pretty shit or orthodontist, to be fair. Like, well, I just didn't floss because I couldn't be bothered. Actually, you know what? I never knew it was a thing. Uh, I've like, heard of it, but like, no one ever told me how to. I reckon I should just have a life skills class back in school and you just teach cooking and tax and all this shit. But one of the biggest things is, do you, know what the, do you know what the opposite sex looks at? Uh, the, the two, you want to um, stand out to men, women, or the same sex? 
we don't judge. Um, you need to improve your teeth and you need to improve your shoes. Is this based on like your opinion or? It's not my opinion. This is not my opinion. This is this was a full on like huge study. The first two things that the opposite sex will look at, same sex, is your smile and yeah. your shoes. Okay, yeah. so people are either looking you dead in the face yeah. when you smile because that stands out, or they're looking down and will notice your shoes first. So, this is a little bit of a tip for everyone listening to the podcast. Oh, Feeling yeah. a little bit lonely right now. <laughs> fix up your smile, fix up your shoes. Bang. All right. Only if it's as easy to fix up your smile, mate. Mate, it is. It is. The cold, there's these charcoal strips that I buy um, from uh, Priceline, actually. Shout out to Priceline. Charcoal chicken um, strips? No, oh, I guess charcoal chicken. But um, shout out to Martin Street Charcoal Chicken and Grill. Um, that's my favourite in, uh, in uh, what is it? Uh, Garden Vale. Garden Vale? Uh, yeah, it's Martin Street. It's yeah. like Garden Vale or some shit. Anyway, um, the, char- the charcoal strips are really good. You chuck them on for like 20 minutes and it just like cleans all your teeth and makes them all real white. Dave Garita used to tell me I had real white teeth, so, you know, I always took notice of that. Anyway. Last question, mate. Um, Annika Jane, for you, wants to know, Jay White, quality over quantity? Question mark. How important are rest days and what are the side effects of overtraining? All right, so 100%. Um, what Anik is saying there, um, I assume, is are the quality of sessions better than just flogging heaps of sessions? And absolutely. So I'm going to put it in the simplest terms. Let's look at like volume overall, so how much work you're actually putting in. If it's just junk volume and you're just you know, mucking around, you're just going to spin your wheels. You're not doing anything and you're just exerting a lot of effort to actually not get anywhere. Um, so things like, I'll, I'll put the rest days aside for a second and talk about the overtraining. If you're just doing a heap and not actually looking at what you're doing and how you can recover from it, well, then you're gonna end up just pulling up sore, never really recovering. Um, and as we know, and we've spoken about previously, like you need to allow both the time and focus on nutrition um, and only really work with what you can recover from. Being sore, like I've said, is not a goal. Being sore just shows that you, you know, there's a hundred different billion reasons for pulling up sore. Um, so that's why it's not what we want to chase. Um, which is why quality and improving that quality over time, lifting a little bit more, you know, more volume, more weight, um, you know, whatever it is, should be the long term focus rather than just like trying to start at seven sessions a week, twice a day, you know, flogging as much as we can. Because we will overtrain, and that is why rest days and things like that are really handy to be able to sort of, um, I guess, um, moderate how much training we actually are doing. And then on top of that, let's just go to the start. If you are someone who is beginning in training, less is better. Less is better. Find what is the optimal level for you right now, okay? Or what we call the minimum effective dosage. So what you're going to get the most out of for the least effort, okay? Focus on that first, then you can start to you know incorporate more. Don't just walk into it head first, seven sessions a week, um, just absolutely fanging it because you will overtrain and you will just not get anywhere. You'll spin your wheels. I'll just quickly add on that, mate. The most important, one of the most important principles that should oversee all of training is what we call the SRA principle, which is SRA stimulus recovery adaptation. Yep. Now, your training is the stimulus, and we train in order to get an adaptation, whether it's to put yep. on muscle, lose weight, or whatever. And the stimulus only causes the adaptation with the R, which is the recovery. And so that's where sleep, nutrition, rest aid, all those things are so important. And if we don't get the recovery, the best stimulus in the world will not cause the adaptation. And the side effects of overtraining will be either one, you're not going to get the desired results that you want, or two, you'll get them. Yeah, and I think that that's like 
sums it up entirely. You've done a really good job there, Chris. That's heaps better than right. my answer. Quote of the week, Joe White. Show us uh, some wisdom. Quote of the week. So, one evening. It's actually, it's, it's not really a quote. It's a bit of a story. Story of the week, Joe White. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one that you feed. Oh, mate, that should have been taught in high school. That Love it. is a piece of wisdom. Courtesy of uh, Matthew Rushworth. So well, thank you very much, Rush. We appreciate that. Um, Chris, I don't need to really say too much on that. Chris, joke of the week. A couple were at marriage counselling and the therapist said to the husband, your wife says you never buy her flowers. Is this true? The husband says, to be honest, even though she sold flowers. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favourites. <laughs>